And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I want to speak today on the solace of heaven. The Lord has promised to do certain things for his people in glory. And one of those things is to remove all tears from their eyes. There are some people who have the notion that when we get to heaven, we'll be so full of regrets for the things that we didn't do and even some of the things that we did do, we'll be weeping so much that the Lord will take some kind of sanctified handkerchief and wipe tears away from our eyes. Well, that's not what I believe the Bible is talking about here. When it says that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, it's another way of saying there are no tears in heaven. And we will come to that again in due course in looking at some of the things that are not in heaven. I hope to do that in a later series of messages. But God, it says here, shall wipe away from those who are in heaven all tears from their eyes. This world is a veil of tears. There's a valley in the Bible that was called the Valley of Baca. It was literally the Valley of Tears, a place of great sorrow. And you and I know by bitter experience that tears are part and parcel of, li- of living on this earth. Sometimes we don't like discussing the sorrowful things of life. There are many unpleasant things that we have to face. But just because we don't want to talk about certain things will not make the tears go away. Earthly life is a mysterious mixture of tears and smiles, of sorrows and joys. You might say of hills and valleys. It would be a good thing for you to take a a concordance and just look up the words weep, weeping, and wept. And it might surprise you how many references there are to those things. Weeping. It talks about people in certain circumstances who wept. This world is a world of tears. But there will be no more tears in heaven. And that's what the text assures us of. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The reason for that is the causes for the tears will no longer be here. There will be no reason to cry. There will be no reason for tears to be shed. As the hymn says, there will be a glad, glad tomorrow in the sweet, sweet by and by. There'll be no crying or sorrow. Every teardrop will be dry. The text is speaking here about the solace of heaven. I'm not an eye doctor. I'm not an expert in the eye. But I've read some things about the human eye. And it's incredible the detail that God has put into the human eye. The eye is one of the most delicate organs of the human body. 
It has its own protectors. Your eyelids, your eyelashes. The fact that when something comes near your eye, you blink automatically. There are nerves that are so sensitive in your eyes. I remember very well when I was first trying out contact lenses. Some of you will appreciate what that's like. When I first tried to put in a a contact lens, I thought, I'll never be able to do this. I will never be able to do this. I was almost weeping when I was trying to put a contact lens. and My eye just wouldn't let me do it. Eventually, I was able to do so. But the eye is a very delicate and a very intricate part of the body. There's something in your eye, both eyes, They're called tear ducts. And God created those. And when I see someone weeping, someone crying, I think of the fact that that's what's supposed to happen. Because tears are a release. Tears are a means of getting rid of stress and anguish and agony. And I know this by experience in recent times. Because quite honestly... I've shed more tears in the last 10 weeks than in the rest of my life put together. But this text tells us about a wonderful time when there will be no more tears. The great God who is mighty enough to speak this vast universe into existence is tender enough to gently wipe away all the tears from the eyes of his children. The Bible tells us in Psalm 147, Psalm 147, and verses 3 and 4, about how that the Lord heals the brokenhearted. Let me just read these verses. Psalm 147, from verse 3, it says, He healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Recalling the original context in which the book of Revelation was written, it was actually a letter to encourage the persecuted church. As a man by the name of G.B. Wilson said, words like these, Revelation 7 verse 17, must have sounded as a divine music in the ears of the persecuted people. God will comfort even as a mother comforts. These words have been music to the ears of Christians ever since as we walk through this veil of tears. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. In the psalm that we sang the metrical version of this morning, it says in verse 8, Psalm 116 verse 8, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. But let's think about the divine solace of heaven, the wiping away of the tears. Let's think about tears as a subject, tears and their sad consternation. In the Psalms, you'll read a lot about sorrow. You'll read a lot of David's experience of affliction And that's why the Psalms are good for us to pray through, because they are a reflection often of our own experience in life. Various things that happen to you, good and bad, 
They're dealt with in the book of Psalms. They're the subject of his prayers. And so, for example, in Psalm 42 and verse number 3, the psalmist says, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? Here's a man who's feeling that God is not near. The first couple of verses, I think, make that very clear. His soul is panting after God. His soul is thirsting for God. In the second verse, he says, when shall I come and appear before God? It's almost as though the Lord is not to be found. It's almost as though he's not to be seen. And that's causing him to weep tears while the ungodly are saying at the same time, where is thy God? Reminds us very much of the day that we're living in. There are many people who are saying that, if not outwardly, they're certainly thinking it. Where is their God? Cause the psalmist to have great tears. And not one of us will have any trouble relating to his words. There are times when we feel like this. Tears are an unpleasant fact of life in an imperfect, sinful world. And tears are with us from infancy until old age. Tears are no respecter of persons. At some time or another, everybody's going to taste the bitter, salty flavor of tears. When we're in extreme physical pain, we cry. When we are in emotional pain, we cry. And while tears have some physiological basis, because all animals have tear ducts to keep their eyes lubricated. Tears are more especially what one called the saline expression of the human soul. Animals can show signs of distress, but only human beings weep. We shed tears. And each and every one of us, even here this morning, will shed some tears in our lifetime. Few or many depending on how many God considers we're able to bear. Tears express the deepest longings of the human soul. They're both a subject and an experience that we would rather avoid. But it's heartening for Christians to know that God is the almighty tear dryer because he shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Reminds me of a scripture in the Old Testament that speaks to the same thing. Isaiah 25, verse 8, really articulates the same thing as Revelation 7. Isaiah 25, verse number 8. What a promise. He, God, will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. It's coming a day. When no sorrows will come. No more tears in the eyes. No more, no more crying. No more weeping. Tears and their sad consternation. We know the sadness that is often associated with tears. Yes, sometimes there are happy tears. Sometimes tears come to our eyes when we've been laughing a lot. But the tears that God will wipe away from our, our eyes are those tears of sad consternation. But then I want to think about tears and just their simple consideration. The causes of our 
sad tears are many. I was just looking at some scriptures that talk about tears and weeping. And for example, you see in the book of Acts chapter 20, that the apostle Paul, when he's talking to the elders of Ephesus, he says in verse 31, Acts 20, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. George Whitfield, the evangelist, was notable for his powerful preaching, but he was also noted for the tears that he used to shed while he was preaching. And it's an amazing thing that because to still be able to articulate words to still be able to speak and be heard is not an easy thing when you're crying. But he did it all the time. I believe it was he who was described by someone as a weeping prophet. And there are other preachers that have been the same way. Paul was a man who said that by the space of three years, he ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul cried when he preached. Because he was concerned about souls. He had a desire to see them one to Christ. We often think of Paul as a hard little man, don't we? He was a battler. He was a warrior. A prison jailbird, if you like. A man who was in and out of prison like a yo-yo. A man who was always getting into scrapes with the law. Who was always coming under pressure from the authorities. Who says himself in Acts 17 that he disputed daily with those who opposed the gospel. He stood against those who were against Christ. You think of Paul as a really hard warrior, and yet here he is admitting that he preached for three years, warning everyone night and day with tears. We think about the causes of tears. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, the same apostle Paul writing, says this, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears. So not only did he cry when he was preaching, he cried when he was writing letters. His letters were stained with his tears. Now we can only conjecture somewhat as to why he was weeping. But I believe it was over the state of the church. It was over the condition of these believers to whom he was writing. And he was frustrated by many things in Corinth and saddened by much of what was going on there, which he articulates in another place. With much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. Again, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he speaks about the tears of that young man. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 4, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Again, we can only conjecture as to what the reasons were for Timothy's tears, but he did have tears. It's a very simple consideration that we cry, and we cry for all sorts of reasons. The causes of tears are many. 
Tears come upon us when we reach the brink and we stand dangerously near to the edge of extremity. There are times when we feel like we're at wit's end, like the psalmist. Tears could result from failure. I haven't managed to do what I thought I could do or what I wanted to do. Disappointed hopes. Tears may come through frustration. Broken dreams. A broken relationship. Any kind of disappointment. Some people weep tears through depression. And people might say to someone like that, well, pull yourself together. That's the problem. They can't pull themselves together. That's the worst thing you can say to someone who suffers from depression. Well, pull yourself together. That's exactly what they can't do. I have a very good friend who has clinical depression, takes medication for it, often has told me that at times he feels like he's staring into a dark hole, that he's caught up in a vortex and he can't get out of it. It's a very real thing. And it causes tears. There are incidents that happen. There are circumstances that come along that threaten us and distress us and drive us to despair even. Sometimes that faucet in the eyes is turned on very suddenly when the tears were least expected. Tears often come from bad experiences. The apostle talked about this in Acts chapter 20, in verse 19. He said, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews because of the opposition that he experienced in ministry, he was weeping and crying. Bad experiences. It could be something as simple as riding along in your car and suddenly your day is ruined by a collision what we might call an accident, a routine checkup at the doctor's office. It unexpectedly reveals a fatal illness that happened in our family just a year ago. No apparent problems at all. They do a CT scan and suddenly you're told you've got stage four cancer. That brings tears. Sometimes you might get an innocent looking piece of mail, but it's got some really bad news inside it. You might go into work one day. Cheery as could be, this happened to me one time. I went in the morning, started at about 8 o'clock, whatever it was. By 11.30, I'd been handed what they call in our country your cards, your P45. You're done. Because the policy of that company was last in, first out. I went to work that day and waved June goodbye and went off my little motorcycle, expecting to come back at lunchtime with my pay packet as usual. And that Friday, I came back with a pink slip. I'd lost my job. Thankfully, I wasn't expecting to be there very long anyhow because I was going to go into Bible school. But still, these are things that happen to people and it happens to them later on in life where they don't feel like they can get another job. It causes tears. Bad experiences. We all have unpleasant examples that we could give, no doubt. Bad experiences. Bereavement. Bereavement. 
This is probably the classic example of a tear manufacturer. And I know this by bitter personal experience. I was reading just yesterday about Abraham. You know, Abraham knew what it was to lose his wife. The Bible talks about it in Genesis chapter 23 and verse 2. And Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So I'm in good company. Abraham wept tears because he had lost his wife. Very human experience. Bereavement. And we see this so many places in the Scripture. For example, in 2 Samuel chapter 18, you have the psalmist who has lost his son. And it says in verse 33... That the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. That's a pathetic scene of a father who has lost his son. Bereavement. We see it in John chapter 11. When they said Mary has gone up to the grave to weep. And the Jews came weeping with her. Crying tears over the death of Lazarus. Bereavement. We see it in so many scriptures. We see it in Mark chapter 5. And in verse 39. Again I'm giving you these various examples from Old and New Testament. Mark chapter 5 and verse 39. Verse 38 says that he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. But of course, she was dead. But the Lord was going to raise her. There they were weeping over the death of that young girl. All over the Bible we see this. We see it with the people of God weeping over Moses in Deuteronomy 34. We see it in Joseph when his old father Jacob has just died. The last verse of Genesis 49 tells us about the death of Jacob, how he pulled his feet up into the bed, gave up the ghost, and he died. And the next verse is Genesis 50 verse 1 where Joseph wept over his father. Bereavement. We see it in Acts chapter 8 when Stephen is stoned to death and the disciples come up to get his body and it says they mourned with great lamentation. The word, I looked it up, it has to do with strong crying. Tears. Bad experiences. Bereavement. Sometimes there is the emotional pain on hearing the news of a loved one's terminal illness. The emotional pain of weakening earthly ties as heaven's ties are strengthened. The paralyzing sense of loss 
when you're marching slowly behind a casket. There are tears in this world. There are tears that are not only caused by bad experiences and by bereavement, but by backsliding. Backsliding causes tears. We read of the Apostle Peter, a tough, rough character, a Galilean fisherman, used to working in rugged conditions. I'm sure he had a physical frame to suit that. Galilean fishermen, even to this very day, are notoriously rough, tough, and even coarse. But the Bible tells us of a time whenever Peter went out and wept bitterly. Luke chapter 22 speaks of it in verse 62. You'll find it also in Matthew's gospel. He went out and wept bitterly. Why? Because he was backslidden. He'd gotten away from the Lord. He denied the Lord three times with oaths and curses. In an act of cowardice, he'd even sworn that he had never known the Lord. Amazing. And there's nothing like failure to bring us down and to bring the tears. And the Bible records that the Lord didn't even have to say anything to Peter at that point. Read about it in Luke chapter 22 and verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. What a poignant scene that is. The Lord who has been maltreated and mistreated by the enemies. Peter stands outside warming himself with those enemies of Christ. And the Lord comes out and he just looks and he turns and he just looks at Peter. Doesn't say anything. And in that look, there was such conviction that Peter began to weep bitterly, cried out loud like a child. Tears through backsliding. But of course the Lord restored Peter, and we can read that lovely story in John chapter 21. And the Lord will restore us when we get away from him to some degree and measure, when we fail him, when we hurt him, when we deny him. When we repent, he will receive us again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that will bring tears. But then we have also, by way of contrast, the fact that the lost, the ungodly, who die without Christ, will experience tears of banishment. You know, hell is the exact opposite. It's the antithesis of heaven. You think about heaven's delights, and it contrasts greatly with hell's damnation. There are no tears in heaven. But Jesus tells us about the darkness of hell where men will experience weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There are tears in hell. Bitter tears. Hell, as one man put it, is actually eternal weeping. The Christian can look forward to the day when God will wipe away all tears from their eyes, but the unbeliever will be denied this blessedness. Because however tear-free his experience this side of eternity might be, one day if he doesn't repent, he will have bitter tears for all eternity. Weeping and wailing 
a gnashing of teeth. What a terrible thing to be in that place where there's nothing but tears. Esau, in the anticipation of being rejected, he wept bitter tears. Hebrews chapter 12 mentions this in verse 17. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance. It means he found no way to change his father's mind, though he sought it carefully with tears. Remember when he said, bless me also, my father, even me, give me a blessing. But it was too late. Oh, the bitter tears of Esau. A harbinger of the tears of those who will go to a lost eternity. But it's nice to be able to turn to this thought. Tears and their sweet consolation. The Bible sheds light on the subject of tears. And through our tears, as one man put it, it lets us see a rainbow of glory. Tears, weeping, it's something that the Lord is conscious of. There's sweet consolation when we think about tears because the Lord sees and feels our tears. He does. He understands. As one hymn puts it, yes, he understands. All his ways are best. He sees and he feels your tears, believer. See, our Lord Jesus Christ, very God of very God, became man, just like us, without sin. Bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. And the incarnation, of course, is one of the stupendous fundamentals of the Christian faith. The incarnation reveals to us that God is not some distant deity far removed from all our troubles and our trials and our tears. No, the Word became flesh and tabernacle, dwelt among us. And so our God in Jesus Christ, the perfect man, knows exactly what it is like to be human. He knows what it is like. There's not a pang. There's not a pang that rends the heart. But the man of sorrows has a part. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Yes, he was immune from sin but not from tears. You know the shortest verse in the Bible, don't you? John eleven, thirty-five. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He understands. He shed tears. And it's a beautiful thought for us to consider. Even in our times of isolation and loneliness, when the tears fall copiously. And I know that everybody reacts differently to different circumstances, but there is no loneliness like the loneliness of private tears. And yet even the Lord has promised, there I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Lord is with us. No matter what you're going through as a Christian, the Lord is going through that with you. It may not feel like it, 
It may not be tangible. It may not be that which you can reach out and touch, but you know it's true. Because the Bible tells us so. You know, the Lord is spoken of as our great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, in connection with the subject of prayer, it speaks of him in this way. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted or tested like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He understands. He feels with us. Could I say he weeps with us? Jesus wept. He was no stranger to the all too human phenomenon of shedding tears, even though he was God of very God. I see him there overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says when he cried, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets and them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen doth gather her brood, and ye would not. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, that when he beheld the city, he wept over it. And that word wept there in the Greek language literally means he broke forth in wailing. People use this phrase all the time for crying out loud. Well, he was crying out loud. Think about that. The Son of God weeping strong tears. See, he sees and he feels our tears. But there's something else that is a sweet consolation. He stores up our tears. I love this. Look at Psalm 56. Psalm 56. Verse 8, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Two things there. He has them stored up in a bottle and he has them recorded in a book. Someone quoted this to me recently after my bereavement. They said, you know, God puts your tears into his bottle. I said, he must have a very big bottle. It must be huge, but he does. He stores up our tears. And that's a sweet consolation. The psalmist, in his anguish, realized that the Lord stored up his tears. I was reading that such tear bottles, unusual as that sounds in our society, can still be seen in the Middle East and some Western Jewish communities today. They keep tears in the bottle. It's an incredible thing. The Christian can be sure that his tears are measured in God's bottle and that not one of his tears of anguish will drop without his heavenly Father's notice. The Lord sees and the Lord knows and the Lord cares in a way in which your finite mind and mine cannot fathom. See, the Lord has ordained all things for our benefit. Even those events that take place that cause us to shed buckets of tears. Because everything, all things, work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Easy to say, maybe not so easy to 
think about, not so easy to accept, but it is God's Word, so we have to accept it. All things, doesn't matter what it is, all those things work together for our good and for His glory. What a comfort we find from the words of the Lord to Hezekiah. Remember what happened there in Isaiah chapter 38? It's recorded. This man, this godly king, was crying copious tears. And it says there, Isaiah 38 and verse number 5. Well, verse number 3, first of all. At the end of the verse it says, And Hezekiah wept sore. He wept sore. He cried very much. Then came the word of the Lord by Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. What a wonderful assurance that is. You know, Jesus said that the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The Lord cares so much for you. There's not a mother on the face of the earth that can count the number of hairs on the head of her child. It's impossible. It's like going down to the shore and trying to count the number of grains of sand that are there. But the Lord has the number of our hairs, He sees our tears. No matter how deep the pit is that we feel that we're in, we might feel like we're forgotten by men and forsaken by friends. We're still remembered by the Lord. He said, we'll not be forgotten. Isaiah 44, 21. Something else, not only is there sweet consolation in that he sees and feels our tears, he stores up our tears. He speaks through our tears. The Arabs have a proverb No rain makes a desert. And of course, we would all desire a tear-free existence, wouldn't we? But would that be the best thing for us? A pain and sickness-free body, full satisfying employment, smooth unbroken relationships, no financial worries, never experiencing failure and frustration. By the way, you get all that in a book by Joel Osteen. You can get that. But that's not reality. Just imagine being free from whatever it is that causes tears in your life. You know, such an existence would be perilous to us spiritually. really would. See, we would be in danger of forgetting God. This is what happens when things are going well. So often we feel like we don't need the Lord as much or at all. We read about that of the, of the people of Israel in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8 from verse 11. Listen to this. Beware when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, when the herds and thy flocks multiply, Thy silver and thy gold are multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. He says, Beware, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You see, sometimes 
a lack of trouble and a lack of affliction, a lack of tears, is spiritually injurious to us. But oh how much it benefits us when we realize I need thee every hour. Most gracious Lord, no tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh bless me now my Savior, I come to thee. You know our desire for heaven would become far less and we'd be quite happy for an eternal existence on the earth if it were possible without trouble, without tears. But you see, tears bring us to our senses. God speaks through our tears. In our tears we realize that we're just finite creatures. We're totally dependent upon our Creator and our Savior. He holds our life and our breath in the palm of His hand. And sometimes the Lord brings us down that He might lift us up. See, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 34, 18 tells us. In the middle of our tears, when all our well-plotted plans are lying in pieces, we realize the truth of the Lord's words, without me you can do nothing. God speaks through our tears. Something else, he strengthens prayer through our tears. Jeremiah was so burdened that he said to the Lord in Jeremiah chapter 9, Oh, that my head were waters, and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of the daughter of my people. It was an aid to prayer. And I often tears and prayers go together in the scripture. So the Lord will not despise the broken and the contrite heart. When Nehemiah heard of what was going on in his home country, in his home city, the word of God tells us in that first chapter of his book. And in verse 4, it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So there's tears and prayer going together. You tears give reality to our prayers. It's so easy to put on a front to act the part, to assume a role. But tears, as one put it, rub off all the external paint and reveal our real selves. Sometimes our prayers can have an air of unreality about them. They can become mechanical, can't they? Our prayers can become that which is done by rote. They can become very poetic and very perfunctory. And we can get into a rut of saying our prayers or, or doing the prayers in public. But sometimes the Lord brings us down to earth and down to reality with a bump and we're in the veil of tears. And then we turn to him in prayer and through our tears we call upon his name. I think prayerful tears and tearful prayers have a power about them. Because you see their prayers from the heart and not just from the lips. Our hearts are in it. Prayer is not just going through the motions. It's a laying hold 
of omnipotence, like Jacob at Peniel, where they wrestled a man with him. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And our Lord Jesus Christ was one who prayed with strong crying and tears unto him that heard him. You read about that in the book of Hebrews. And that's another thing. The Lord stirs us up to sympathy through tears. Tears make us more careful as well as more prayerful. Tears put a clamp on unthinking behavior and make us into a channel of comfort to others. You know, in our tears, God comforts us in order to make us comforters. One of my unsaved friends said to me one day, you're now going to be in a unique position because of what has happened to you to be able to help other people. I thought that was tremendous coming from someone who's not a believer. And he's just articulating what the scripture says because God's the father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we might be able to comfort those who are in any trouble by the same comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We cry these tears, the Lord comforts us and we can comfort others. So our tears become tears of sympathy. But I want to finish with this, tears and their sure conclusion. Yes, we live in a tearful world. Tears are a reality of life each day. But you see the reality that God mentions here, that he's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. Someone said that the future for the believer is as bright as the promises of God. How true that is. And this is a promise God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There'll come a time when we will no longer be in time. It'll be eternity. This light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us an eternal weight of glory, an exceeding weight of glory. Arthur W. Pink once said, One breath of paradise will extinguish all the adverse winds of earth. The joys of heaven are going to superabundantly compensate for all the tears that we may have shed here on the earth. The Lord will wipe away all tears from our eyes. We're going to come to a very sure conclusion. This is the reality. But we must think about the reason. Why is it that there are those and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes? Well, these are the same people spoken about earlier in this chapter. Remember where the elders, one of them said, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? Whence came they? Who, who are these people? Where did they come from? Verse 14, sir, thou knowest. He said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And all of these other things that are mentioned regarding them, it's because of this. We're back to the cross we're back to the cross. If we're thinking scripturally, we have to answer the question, why are there tears? Well, the ultimate cause of tears and sorrow is sin. There wouldn't be any tears if it weren't for sin. We're living in a sinful world. But you see, when the Lord Jesus was on the cross, he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. 
He suffered once for sins, that just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And it's because of the cross of Christ that God is able to wipe away all tears. This is the reason for it. This is the reason. On the cross, the sinless one took upon himself all our sins and the just punishment of God upon those sins so that whosoever believes in him will be saved. They'll never be in hell. God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. We're going to be in a place which is undefiled and that fadeth not away. 1 Peter 1 verse 4. There are no tears there. So because of the cross of Jesus, we can take heart this morning, if we're Christians, that one day we'll not be crying anymore. There'll be no reason to shed tears because he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's another verse there in Revelation that speaks to this, Revelation 21, verse 4. It clearly says there, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. It's all because of the cross. Our God has fixed the happy day when the last tear shall dim our eyes and he will wipe all tears away and fill our hearts with glad surprise to hear his voice to see his face and know the riches of his grace someone wrote a kind of a poetic paraphrase of Revelation 7 and with this I want to finish how bright these glorious spirits shine Whence all their bright array? How came they to the blissful seats of everlasting day? Lo, these are they from sufferings great who came to realms of light. And in the blood of Christ have washed those robes that shine so bright. Now with triumphant palms they stand before the throne on high and serve the God they love amidst the glories of the sky. Hunger and thirst are felt no more, nor suns with scorching ray. God is their son, whose cheering beams diffuse the eternal day. The lamb who dwells amidst the throne shall o'er them still preside. Feed them with nourishment divine, and all their footsteps guide. Mid pastures green he'll lead his flock, where living streams appear. And God the Lord from every eye shall wipe away each tear. To Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the God whom we adore, be glory as it was, is now, and shall be evermore. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes.